approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What is going on, everyone? Sorry about the double intro there. Uh, our guest, Dan, I had him in the intro and I put the wrong one on. Uh, that is my fault. But welcome into the show, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Coaches. We are back with a brand new episode, guys. If you've been watching, we've been doing our tier series all month. We have just did the RBs last two shows now, so go back and watch that. But we are on the wide receiver snap, and that is going to be a fantastic episode because there's so many wide receivers to talk about and there's a lot of tears to break down here. So let me introduce everyone here. Coach Jibs, welcome to the show, brother. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. We got our tuxes today. We're being just about to look fresh as hell this weekend. We got a wedding for a buddy this weekend. It's going to be great. Coach John, what's going on, brother? Nothing much. It's another day, another dollar. Just out here doing some fantasy content. Hell yeah. Glad to have you back, brother. Uh, and we have our guest on the show today, Dan. Uh, Dan works with me at over at Dynasty Nerds. What's going on, Dan? Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to uh, talk some wide receivers. Uh, we actually have NFL action tonight, so the season is going to be here even before we know it. Yes, very excited for that. There is two games on tonight, and we might actually see some actual fantasy players. Even though we saw Josh Jacobs last week, uh, we will <laughs> hopefully see more of our fantasy players that we want to know what's going to go on with them this season. So t- tune into that. But for now, guys, welcome to our show. Uh, before we get started with our wide receiver tiers, we do have to talk about some news. Not a lot, uh, a little things going on here, and we will get started with the fantasy news. All right, guys, so we have a few things. Uh, nothing too crazy, mostly injuries, maybe one retirement, but Russell Gage on Tuesday suffered a lower leg injury. Uh, hasn't seen an seen d- update on him just yet. I did not practice today, though. Uh, hopefully it isn't something super severe that we would have probably found out at this point. Uh, James White, retiring from the NFL. Definitely didn't see this coming, but clearly the injury that he sustained and his age probably led to this coming about. Um, does this boost Ramondre Stevenson for you guys? No. Or is it not much of an impact all, with all without James White? Was he not even in your guys' impactfulness in this backfield? Yeah, he didn't – it didn't move the needle for me. I mean, it maybe gives you some more confidence if you're in a dynasty and you want Pierre Strong super late and he's probably sitting on your waiver wires maybe, or, you know, Kevin Harris. Like, these guys are probably now going to make the team over James Wade, obviously. So, um, but, no, the top two guys, it's Harris and Ramondre. Not really moving the needle for me either. Like, they still have, like, J.J. Taylor. So, like, there's someone else that could take that role, but – um, still going to be a mess. Yeah, I, I agree. That that room was very crowded to begin with. Um, tonight we'll see the Patriots play. I'm excited to see Kevin Harris get out on the field. He is a college player who dealt with injuries towards the end of his senior season, and if he could get back to his junior junior level production, you know, there might be a spot on his team that he uh, he can make. All right, all right. Moving on, Nikhil Harry 
Uh, did suffer that injury that we saw last episode. He is probably out for eight weeks now. He's getting surgery. He's probably won't be back until November. Again, not much news because Nikhil Harry was a nobody already. No offense. Um, but Jameson Williams, this is an interesting one here. He has not been involved in the training camp. Best shot for him is to return playing in October, but that's being optimistic. Now, for your upcoming drafts this later this month here, uh, would you guys consider drafting him at all? Yeah, no, Jameson's pretty... Uh, I'm sorry. Um, no, my bad. <laughs> uh, Jameson's pretty interesting because I saw this news break, and honestly, I didn't realize it was going to be news. I thought everybody kind of already knew he wouldn't be playing until... I mean, I was hearing November for the, the weeks I was hearing. Um, so the fact that they're now saying October is the best shot, that to me is just, you know, status quo. Now, if this is information that is quote-unquote new to people then that is something that we can act upon as, as you know, dynasty or redraft managers where he might be getting faded a little bit in our upcoming drafts. Uh, for some, Honestly, for redraft purposes, he's somebody who's going to be on your waiver wire halfway through the season that you're going to pick up for a late, you know, kind of push. Uh, for example, in the Scott Fishbowl this year, I was able to pair Russell Gage, assuming health, for his early season production before Godwin comes back. And then I paired him with Jamison Williams a little bit later, figuring that by the time Godwin comes back and Gage phases out, Jamison will be uh, getting acclimated to the NFL and he'll start, you know, phasing in. Uh, it's kind of nice to be able to pair, you know, that early season production with that late season production. Uh, but like I said, I didn't realize that this was going to be news. I thought most of uh, most of the community was already on board with this being the uh, assessment. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I'm I've never, I was never the biggest Jamison Williams fan for redraft drafting him to begin with because like dan said he's probably if someone does draft him they're gonna be like oh shoot at some point they're gonna have to make a tough decision and cut him he could be sitting on waiver wires but you know for dynasty format this is not news we all knew that this was he was going to be a late season at you know addition to your lineup and it's the future that you really look forward to with jameson williams not the first five weeks it's the next two three four five years so And October is like a very vague like term because I could be <laughs> late or true. early. Like in my estimation, I'm still putting him out like eight weeks because even if he comes back week six or so, like the guy is still going to have to like, like Dan said, he's going to get activated to the league. And I don't see them giving him a boatload of snaps at the start of the season either. So, And most of the reason I bring him up is because I'm looking at ADP overall and fantasy pros sitting at 155 that means he's getting drafted right now in a normal 12 team league more than likely right now so i just wanted to throw that out there so mm-hmm. people are aware that if you're going to pick a play like this he's likely going to sit on your bench for at least eight weeks possibly more so just wanted to throw that out there so all right that's the end of the news again there wasn't too much going on this week hopefully hopefully by the next show we might have more news why so uh let's get into these wide receivers here now Starting with the top tier here I have is the Elite Four. And I put in four here. Some people might have more or less. And that's why I have you guys here today to judge my tiers overall here. So this is tier one. I call it the Elite Four. Possibly the best potential finish to finish as the wide receiver one. So first off, first question, do you guys agree with this? Is there someone that should be in there, should not be in there? Dan, you can start us off. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with uh, there being a big four this year. I know a lot of people have been talking about big three uh, with, you know, Cup, Jefferson, Chase, but Diggs should not be left out of this question whatsoever. 
not much has changed uh, as far as that Buffalo offense has gone. Uh, yes, Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis is the fantasy darling of the summer, but uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are gone. So it's not like Davis is going to be cutting into Diggs' work uh, very substantially. Uh, the also thing is uh, Diggs didn't score a lot of touchdowns last year. So there is uh, room for him to improve upon his fantasy finish last year. So the big three, everybody agrees upon, but I like the fact that you made tier one the big four because that's the way it should be. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, if we're talking who has the best potential to finish as the wide receiver one, Stephon Diggs certainly can do it. Um, you're tied to Josh Allen, who's going to throw the ball a million times and score a lot. And so, you know, he he's another guy that is going to see over 150 targets easily. So that is going to lead to a lot of production. So he could, if the end of the year comes around and Stephon Diggs has some crazy touchdown, you know, double-digit touchdown season, and he's the wide receiver one, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm, I agree. I'm glad that he's in this conversation too. Great tier, Steve. Great tier. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. All right, cool. So the one question in this tier I have to ask, everyone is hyping up Justin Jefferson to have this somewhat Cooper Cup historic-like season. Why do you guys believe this is why are people hyping this up so much this year? Um, so there's a few reasons for this. Um, one, when I'm ever, whenever I'm giving myself like a little like dilemma with fantasy, like, you know, should I, I be fading this total? Should I be taking this total? I kind of rely on Vegas to um, reassert some of my priors when I'm doing my research. And DraftKings has Justin Jefferson as the favorite to lead the league in receiving yards at plus 800. He's the top dog. And that line they're setting at for him is over – 1,350 and a half yards, which is well below his uh, year last year. He finished over 1,600 last year. Uh, but the thing that most people are talking about is the new coaching staff. You know, he's got um, new head coach, Kevin O'Connell. He's coming over from L.A. last year and obviously will be bringing most of the offensive schemes and systems that the Rams implemented last season on their way to the Super Bowl with, you know, Cooper Cup being such a dominant fantasy asset. And if we look at the rosters, you know, the Rams roster prior to the start of the season with the Odell acquisition and, you know, the Robert Woods injury, very similar rosters because you have Justin Jefferson, clear alpha with Adam Thielen, you know, as the secondary role, just like the Rams last year had Cooper Cup as the alpha with Robert Woods in a secondary role. So the similarities are very, very easy to pinpoint switching from a Rams offense to a Vikings offense. And the thing is, Kirk Cousins, he's not a terrible quarterback. He can support a wide receiver one. We've seen him do it plenty of times. Um, he did it with, you know, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen one year, Justin Jefferson since his rookie year. There's no reason to doubt that he has the potential to finish as the wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's an explosive playmaker that you always look for to to have these outlier seasons. And Justin Jefferson is is that type of player where he can – you know, what Cooper Cup did last year was an outlier. But Kevin O'Connell coming in and, and knowing how to create mismatches and knowing how to create separate, you know, uh, you know, one-on-one matchups for Justin Jefferson is going to be great. And and all of a sudden, he you increase these big plays that he has. You add a few, you know, 60-yard touchdown breakaway bombs, and all, he has this crazy, weird 1,800-yard season. It's not 
out of the realm of possibility because he's just that good. And so I think, you know, you get a young guy hitting his prime who had already put up 1600 yards as a sophomore. Um, that's just nothing to bat an eye at when it comes to NFL production. So I just have a feeling that, you know, his bases, he's to me, I feel safer with Justin Jefferson than I do Cooper cup, which it sounds weird, but I, I love Justin Jefferson this year. I just don't see a world where he doesn't have 1400 yards with, you know, and then the sky's the limit. Make some great points, guys. Like, I was kind of thinking of that to myself, too. Like, I have pick five in the draft coming up, and, like, if Cup's there, Jefferson's still there, like, it's going to be, like, or probably, like, a top five running backs. It's going to be a definite question, like, who do I want to get? But for Justin Jefferson, like, it's definitely the scheme, guys. Like, I don't know if you guys saw his quote. He was like, damn, like, I see why Cup was open all last year so like <laughs> let, let, the, let the drafters get that little piece of nugget and they're probably just going to move them all the way up to number two or three come the draft season but uh, i think that it's the sky's set for him like the guy's done it before he's getting better offensive scheme he's going to get more passing if they have him anything looking like what cup does in the la offense or just those quick like he's in the slide and they just find him wide open like he's going to be a problem this year like i will probably have I'd probably peg him as the best shot to be the wide receiver one this year. I love all your guys' answers. I am completely on board with you guys, but everything basically you said, honestly, uh, Justin Jefferson has a fantastic opportunity with the offense quarterback connection here. The fact that they're likely going to increase the passing volume this coming season here and likely have uh, some good opportunities against some mediocre defenses and especially in their division. So, uh, I expect them to push for a playoff spot this year, and Justin Jefferson is going to be a big part of the reason why. So, All right, so let's move on to tier number two now, guys. I call this the basically the other wide receivers that could be a borderline round one, round two pick. Basically, those guys who are drafting the 11th, 12th round will probably have a good chunk of these players here. here and that involves Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuels, Tyreek Hill, and Mike Evans here. Uh, same question as the first round, guys. Uh, is there anyone that should or should not be in this tier here? Um, I would put Keenan Allen in this tier uh, just because if you look at the way the things line up in the AFC West this year, there's going to be so many shootouts in that division. You know, you got Mahomes versus Herbert. You got Russell Wilson versus Herbert. You got Derek Carr versus Herbert. Like, I don't see a single one of those games having a point total under 52 and a half the entire course of the season so that's that's you know what going to be six of your fantasy matchups hopefully if the schedule plays out right you're catching it you know before before week 17 it's he's just going to score so much this year that if keenan allen is there you know in the early second and i've already hit a running back in the late first i feel very comfortable taking keenan allen as my wide receiver one yeah, I mean, that's a great name, obviously. Like, good offense, should be the number one target. Um, I think A.J. Brown is a name that I might want to consider in this tier of, of players. Um, but so other than that, I think this is a good list, all guys. I, I wouldn't take A.J. Brown ahead of any of these guys, but he's someone who I think could, you know, end up being that, like, we all sit back and look and go, oh, yeah, it makes sense he has 130 receptions. Like, this is crazy. He, you know, he's paid like it he's tied to Jalen Hurts who Jalen Hurts loves him all the reports out of camp are that they have this great connection so um A.G. Brown's the only other one I would want to bring up but this list is fine by me 
Um, yeah, the list is pretty solid. Like the only one I have concerns with, like in my opinion, would be Debo Samuel if he can't replicate that uh, rushing number or the rushing totals he amassed last year, and if uh, Trey Lance isn't that spectacular, so there will be some concerns there. But it's still a solid tier, guys. You should be looking with your second, maybe third picks if you get lucky in your drafts. All right, all right. So. Thank you for that, guys. You didn't rip me too hard on this one, so I love it. <laughs> all right. So, like, the one basic question of this tier, because we've talked a lot about these players all off seasons, where they've been half of them have been traded, uh, or there's just been news on them. But CD Lamb, you know, you know, out of this group here, he's likely to see. I mean, any one of these guys are, but he has a the best shot because of the people around him. He's the only one that doesn't really have a true wide receiver two or target two that can be that elite status. Maybe if you guys believe what Dalton Schultz is, but could he be the best one out of this group here just based on his volume alone? Yeah. So this Cowboys offense has 165 plus vacated targets um, with, you know, them losing Amari Cooper and then Cedric Wilson. He wound up in uh, Miami, I believe Mm -hmm. with the, uh, with the Dolphins. Uh, It's, it's going to be a question with CD is what will we get out of Dak Prescott this year? Um, Dak, I don't want to call him a system quarterback, but we've seen him excel when he's had a plethora of pieces around him. So now you take Amari Cooper out of that offense. I know he wasn't super available the entire season last year with, you know, COVID and all that stuff. But um, CD Lamb is probably the best bet to lead the league in targets. Uh, my only concern is what those targets translate into. Um, my gut tells me that Dak is going to be just fine. And, you know, Jalen Tolbert is going to surprise a lot of people this year. So. But I think, yeah, I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a very uh, high target um, player. I just I just hope that those targets translate into a high amount of fantasy points for us. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb, I think, you know, Dan's right. It's a high target. I just don't know if it's going to be high efficiency. And so that's the thing that's going to be tough. And it's a real double-edged sword. You always want your wide receiver one to be paired with a good wide receiver two. Like, but not too good that they could take over the role and garner more targets. It's like a weird world you want to live in. And CeeDee Lamb clearly doesn't have anyone who's going to compete for targets. I just hope Jalen Tolbert or someone can step up and and slide coverages away so it's not, okay, let's just bracket CeeDee Lamb every play and and good luck. You know, I I hope that that's not the case. And whether it's Tony Pollard out of the backfield or someone else needs to, you know, Dalton Schultz you brought up, someone else needs to threaten the defense a little bit. If it's just CeeDee Lamb every play, every game, that's going to be, you know, by week four, the, the cat's going to be out of the bag and, and defense is going to be able to scheme up against it. So that's the one thing that I have that scares me with CD. But he is going to see every target he could possibly handle. That's just that's going to be what it is. Yeah, and um, I'm all for volume and fantasy football. So like CD Lamb would be a player that I will be targeting in my round two picks just because like he only had a 19% target share last year. And if that guy, cat could get like a 25 plus, like a, almost near that 30 range, which is kind of like hard to do. But like if he could be in, within those metrics, I think he's going to be spectacular this year. Um, Maybe I, I'm not advocating the Cowboys to be good or anything, but hopefully Dak's a good quarterback and they could sustain their offenses with good rushing play and um, passing balance. Yeah, yeah, you guys make some really great points, and I think the volume is obviously what triggers a lot of people to want to go after CeeDee Lamb. 
just hope he gets those touchdowns. That's to me, that's the that's the biggest issue overall. I mean, if you look at the 12 games he's played the NFC East, he's got two touchdowns in 12 games first time so far in his career. Uh, definitely something to take some in consideration. Hopefully that increases. You know, when it gets to the red zone, does they do they look for CeeDee Lamb? Do they or do they go after Dalton Schultz? Or do they use that tandem at that running back position to run it in or take that short pass? So hopefully he does find more looks at the red zone this year. That that was one of my one concerns about him. But the volume of at least 150 targets is almost a no-brainer, it seems like. I'd be pretty shocked if it doesn't happen this season. But that could get him above these guys, but we'll have to wait and see. So love the takes, guys. So let's go on to tier number three. I call this uh, other wide receiver ones with upside. Round three guys you're going to get. Most of these guys in round three are going or so. Maybe they're going in round four slightly. Just depends on how your draft is going. But basically, these are the Chargers wide receivers and basically the young, talented, elite talent that's there. So in this group, guys, does someone not belong? We already know Keenan Allen should maybe be on the next tier. But does someone not belong? Does someone do belong that you're miss- we're missing in here? Uh, you're not going to like this, Steve, but I don't think Jalen Waddle should be up here. Um, so this, he's killing <laughs> it in training camp today, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, those those Dolphins wide receivers, they, they worry me a little bit. Um, I know, like, they're both great, young, talented players and everything. Uh, just that, uh, I don't know, that Tua, that offense, it's just – uh, for me, they're they're just too too similar, you know, Tyreek and Jalen. And I am this is like a take I am completely fine being wrong on because I just don't see how they're going to be used on the field, you know. And if McDaniel's has a great way to get them both the volume that they deserve, then like I said, it's a take I am completely fine being wrong on. But my just my gut just tells me that they're both just being overdrafted right now. Unfortunately, I respect it. Um, <laughs> One for me that I would like to uh, bring to the table for consideration is Cortland Sutton. Uh, that's a name that I would like to bring as this, you know, wide receiver one with upside. You know, I just think there is still a world where Cortland Sutton is going to be totally awesome with Russell Wilson and that offense is going to be great. So, but other than that, the list is good. I, I actually like Jalen Waddle. I like some of these, you know, other guys where if something happens to the primary guy, all of a sudden they're league winners. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, this is a good, this is a, this is a cool tier. This is a cool tier of breakout, of hopefully some breakouts. I'm not cool with Terry McLaurin. Like, <laughs> the most volume on his offense. And somehow, like, I always find myself drafting him, think he's going to be a wide receiver one or being somewhere close to it. And in the year, he gives me wide receiver, low in wide receiver two numbers, like wide receiver 25. That's what he finished last year. His highest finish in PPR was wide receiver 20. And we're drafting this guy at wide receiver 16. No, I'm out on that. Drop him with you. All right. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I know I know this is gonna start getting a little, you know, you know, dicey here. So I get it. <laughs> I just I wanna say that uh the Cortland Sutton thing I I definitely agree with. Um he should definitely be in this tier and I don't think I'm hot takey by saying he should be close to the top of it. Hmm. Okay, I like it. I like it. My boy Kyle said that he would lower Tyreek Hill to tier three, have having a hard time having Hill and Waddle in different TLs. Don't disagree with you. Don't hate it. So I definitely don't hate that at all. All right. So let's go to the questions in this tier. The first one is obviously highlighted in the Chargers <laughs> wide receivers. So which Chargers wide receiver do you guys believe will have a better season? Keenan Allen, the PPR machine, or Mike Williams, the big explosive downfield threat? 
Well, you know my answer. So. Oh, I know your answer. This is the million-dollar off-season question with the Chargers. Who who would you rather have, Keenan <laughs> Allen or Mike Williams? It really is. It's like, you know, and, and people are on visceral sides of the fence. There's people who will fight you tooth and nail that Mike Williams is the next big thing. Keenan Allen's falling off a cliff, and, and everything's going to go his way. I'm telling you. And then there's people the other way that say, why are we discounting a 30-year-old Keenan Allen who's going to get 150 targets in a great offense? And I'm like, I get that side too. Oh, so I, I, it all depends on who – like where you play, how you play fantasy. Do you go for volume and go for volume? Or do you want that splash big play? And that comes with injury risk, mind you. Mike Williams is not a perfect candidate of health. So, you know, I think that there's safety in Keenan Allen. And he's probably, if you're going to lay a Vegas bet, it's safer that Keenan Allen's going to lead the league, lead the team in um, yards and targets and everything. But but if you are risky and you want to have, you know, these explosive, massive plays with Justin Herbert, Mike Williams might be your guy. It's just, it's how you play. It's just pick your poison. It's how you play fantasy. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't have Mike Williams ahead of Keenan Allen. I have Keenan Allen ahead of him. So I would, if I'm in a draft, that's who I'm drafting. But um, there's some people out there who really are believing this Mike Williams, you know, camp hype and all this, this, this whole fiasco. So. Yeah, and normally I would say just draft whichever one's going later. But on underdog right now, they're literally – Wide receiver 13 and wide receiver 14. Back to back. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess so, you're going 14. <laughs> there's, 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 not even, there's not even a value to be had between the two of them. Um, right. I mean, the cop-out answer is just draft the one that falls to you because it's going to be a very specific situation where you get to choose between the two of them. Um, I do have to agree that Keenan's play style and the way he's used the offense, it – it, it helps like the older wide receivers stay a little bit healthier. You know, Mike Williams, he's, he's going up and he's battling vertically and he's clashing and, you know, coming down and it's very easy to come down awkwardly on somebody's foot and roll an ankle when you're like going up for those, those high pulling balls. Uh, so it does, you know, it does lead to, you know, tend to lead towards, uh, towards injuries, but to the truth be told, the answer is get either of them. Like, you know, if you have the opportunity to get either of them, just just make it happen. And if you're blessed enough to have the choice between the two of them, my my choice is Keenan. I might take both of them. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I might trade up back to back and go Keenan. Three and four. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and then, and then grab, grab Herbert two rounds later and yeah. in the first. That might be a big play opportunity there, honestly. I mean, the Chargers super stack. <laughs> I have a friend who's a Chargers fan, and he gets like all of them. So like, oh, it's kind of hard. Those guys, oh, God. But I'm obviously going with Keenan Allen. Like, I'm just one of those truthers. I'm not going to back off those easy top 12, top 15 finishes. But, like, to my point, I made a couple episodes ago. To Mike Williams, like, he had seven completions on 22 targets in the red zone. That's a 20% share of the tar- uh, Chargers offense. And he had four touchdowns. So, like, if he catches the ball, it's likely he's going to catch a touchdown. But he's just got to work on that red zone efficiency. If he gets those numbers up, that guy is going to skyrocket. And he might be better than Keenan Allen this this year mm-hmm. yeah I, again, I love your ass dances it's definitely a toss-up to be honest at the end of the day i mean you're gonna there's gonna be a stretch where mike williams is just dominating this league but then there's also gonna be a stretch where he might be out for a few games or he's just not clicking with you know herbert at the time while keenan allen's gonna get you that solid floor each and every single week as long as he can stay healthy as well he's a little older now so both are kind of injury concern risk but 
Mike Williams probably has a more of an injury concern risk than Keenan Allen does at this point. So both are going to give you a big upside at some point. So, all right. The second question in this tier here, who do you, I mean, so it seems like we kind of have, we find out real quickly here, but it seems like that Jalen Waddle is kind of down a lot of guys here maybe, but who has better uh, upside as of the wide receiver two on their team, T Higgins or Jalen Waddle? Ah, I want to say Higgins just because we've seen it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, with that Waddle and Hill project, it's so much projection, you know, um, they're both elite, you know, speedsters, they're both elite athletes and we want to see it happen. But with, with Higgins and Burrow and Chase, we just saw it, you know, nine months ago. Um, so I, especially my early rounds of drafts, I'd, I'd rather just, you know, I've seen it, so I'll take it, you know, you want to risk it for the biscuit, go ahead. But, you know, if I'm trying to lock up my first three picks, I I want that security of I've seen it happen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going T. Higgins, too, just because I, I, I've seen Joe Burrow throw the ball 600 times in a season. And, and so, you know, I know that there's volume to be had there, and that's what you need for your wide receiver, two to perform is you need a lot of passing volume. Um, so I'll take T. Higgins. I just, um, again, we could be very wrong on this Dolphins offense. Everyone could be, which I hope we are because it's, you know, points are fun. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll take T. Higgins just because quarterback situation and security. Yeah, I'm taking T. Higgins as well. And um, I feel like if you look at their stats from last year, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, uh, they both had 72 completions. Jamar Chase had two more targets. He had 110 and um, obviously Jamar Chase had like five 50-yard touchdowns, which kind of makes his yardage total goes up. But 1,400-yard receiver and almost a 1,100-yard receiver, I don't see much difference there. So, like, I'll definitely take Chase and going on a year two with Burrow in this offense rather than um, the mystery and the unknown of these flashy good camp report plays from Miami. <laughs> You guys are all wrong. <laughs> I, was I was waiting for that. Like I said, this is a take that I'm totally fine yeah. being wrong on. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I don't have a strong stance on. I'm fine being wrong on the Dolphins offense this year. I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, that I being said, I'm, I'm going to be wrong. Why not have it? <laughs> we'll see. It just depends how creative that uh, the Dolphins get with Jalen Waddle, to be honest. I think they know what Tyreek Hill is going to do in this offense here, but Jalen Waddle, I think, can do a lot more in this offense than what he showed last year. And clearly, the offense was just very mediocre and vanilla last year. So hopefully they find more ways, exciting ways to at least get Jalen Waddle the ball in his hands. And I think that's what's going to come to him too is the yak yards this year, but both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And that's, that's going to be key to find ways to get them into open space and let them just do what they do. And if the offense kind of works around like that, or if maybe Tua does get that downfield throw going, uh, things could be really interesting because both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill have that separation speed to do that against defenders so we'll see let but, me uh let me ask you a question real quick steve being being uh, the dolphins guy of the group <laughs> have any of the beat reporters been asking mcdaniels about possible like debo roles in this offense this year uh i haven't seen anything personally i I'm haven't sure seen you're, you're more in tune with the team than i am i know that they plan on using both they say they plan on using tyree kill and jalen waddle as running backs but i don't think it's to that level of a Debo Samuels type. Yeah, and they yeah. plan on doing more end arounds or uh, things like that. Than kind of else. So, yeah. So, I mean, it'd be awesome if one of them did it, but probably not though. So 
All right. So moving on to tier four now, guys. Uh, I didn't say what the last tier. Who was in the last tier? So I'm going to say for this tier, this tier four is a strong end, wide receiver twos, maybe some wide receiver one talent. Who knows? Um, but Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, uh, Braylon Cooks, Amari uh, Cooper, and Cortland Sutton is here in this tier now, guys. So same question. Does anyone belong, not belong in this tier? Am I missing someone? Um, well, Cortland Sutton, I would bump up a tier. Um, as we said previously, uh, Chris Godwin is a very interesting case because, uh, all summer it's like, you know, he's serious injury suffered late in the season, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Jamison Williams earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now all of a sudden he's at training camp and he's running routes and he seems to be mostly healthy. Um, it just goes to show that whatever our priors are on injuries and length of recovery, we need to just start throwing that information out because modern advances in medicine are creating new timelines for recovery that are just honestly un- unbelievable. Uh, so prior to training camp, I would have said Godwin has to be lower because we're not going to see him for eight eight weeks, you know. And then even after those eight weeks, is he 100% right away? Are the Bucks eight and oh, they don't even need him to like, you know, rush back on the field and they could kind of like ease him back because Russell Gage is killing it. Um, but I, I, I mean, running routes against air and actually taking contact are two separate things. So until I see him on the field, actually, you know, getting tackled and in contact, I'm not sure if I'm buying the whole he'll be back before um, previously reported. So Godwin would be the one for me that I would have to be be bouncing down a little bit. And as far as like people elevating up into this tier, I think Darnell Mooney uh, needs to be talked a little bit more about um i know this bears offense is going to be putrid but he had 140 targets last year you know it's that that number is going to go up now it's not going to be super efficient but you know like you guys were saying you know if you give me 165 targets for a player i'm showing you a wide receiver too Mm -hmm. yeah i agree the uh the only one to me is sutton like i said i'd move him up but this is a this is a great tier this tier this tier is the scare the crap out of me tier. That's what this tier is. Every single player has just too, so many question marks, but um, you know, that's when you're starting to get later in drafts. That's what happens. Definitely not cool with Cooper being in this tier. I know we're going to, if Deshaun Watson gets to send the six games, I still don't think he could be in within like these numbers uh, with the same cast of cats right here with fans production wise. So I think he definitely needs to be lowered. Okay, okay, okay. Not too hard on me. All right, I like it. Our boy Kyle did say, I think I'd rather have Deontay Johnson than anyone in Tier 3. Wow. Oh, God. And no, Tier yes. 3 obviously had Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, and Mike Williams. Maybe Keenan Allen in Tier 2 for him. I don't know. But yeah. that was just – that's an I told him it was interesting. I can't disagree, to be honest. <laughs> Deontay that's Johnson is being <laughs> All right, so let's go over the one question in this tier here, guys. Brandon Cooks. We're not talking enough about Brandon Cooks this offseason, obviously. Oh, he forgot about T. Higgins. Not T. Higgins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you flipped the slide back. He goes, oh, wait, yeah, my yeah, bad. I had to go back. I had to go back. Let him, let him, let him go. Yeah, All right. Yeah, so the one question I'm going to do in this tier is, how high are you willing to take Brandon Cooks? Because I feel like if all the guys we've talked about, we haven't really talked about Brandon Cooks. We just, oh, it's Brandon Cooks. He's good. How high are you willing to take him in drafts? Are you waiting to let him just continue to fall until, oh, now I have to take him? 
Yeah, I mean, if I could get Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver too, and it sets me up with a strong running back one or even like, you know, one of the elite tight ends into my roster, um, you know, I'll, I'll take the value. People kind of, I feel like the Texans right now kind of have a stench about them. And a lot of fantasy uh, managers are just fading that whole offense. And, you know, Davis Mills, he did look very good last year. Good enough where there are some conversations about, Already, if the Texans finish top three, are they taking a quarterback? Um, that's that's a whole debate for a whole other day. But, you know, he had 134 targets on that offense last year. Uh, the division he plays in, it's not really – there's not really a ton of teams with, you know, shut down defenses. Titans defense isn't that great. Uh, Jaguars defense isn't that great. Colts defense, you know, a little bit better. He is going to be the top dog on an offense that is going to be bottom half the league, but, you know – garbage time points are still fantasy points yeah i think what's great about brandon cooks is you don't have to take him super high you don't have to do it because he is just going to keep falling he's not a sexy name nobody wants him but if you can you know build out a team where you have two stud running backs a wide receiver one and then you have brandon cooks as your wide receiver two in that level of an offense or say you even get him as your wide receiver three yeah that's awesome i think brandon cooks is going to be he's you know, a safe bet for 130 targets, a couple big plays here and there. They're going to be down in games. He's going to get those. He's going to have the vintage Brandon Cooks bomb touchdown every once in a while, and it's going to be fun. And so the problem is he's just not that sexy because he's on the Texans and he's been in the league forever and he just bounces around everywhere. But um, I would take him over a lot of people. I'd take him over Deontay Johnson, and we were just talking about Deontay Johnson. So. <laughs> Um, for me, I'll take him in round four or uh, the earlier side of that, though. Like, I'm not going to just kind of wait and try to see if he could come back to me around five. If I could expecting like a quality player like his expectations to get me a thousand yards. I don't know about the touchdowns, but he's going to be the guy there. And uh, like you guys said, heavily discounted offense. Yeah, no, I think you guys make a lot of great points. And I, I think. No, Jib said round four, but I probably would rather wait to round five and take him in the highest potential there. If I don't get him, I'm not going to be mad about it, but it would be nice to have a guy who's just uber consistent in your fantasy league. I mean, back to back season six touchdowns. He's has he's actually pretty good in come to terms of touchdowns. The only two seasons he have at least five touchdowns. One was his rookie year, so I don't really count that. But uh, there's potential for him, and you know, I mean, he's 130 targets is is pretty easy from this Houston offense here. They're a team that's going to be behind. They're in a division that's pretty soft, to be honest. You know, the Titans aren't as great in the secondary. Obviously, the Jaguars are still rebuilding. The Colts, they have some, they have some pretty some some contenders on defense there, but I'm not completely afraid of them. That Brandon Cooks can't do something against that team. And again, they're playing the bottom tier teams in the league, so there's going to be opportunity for the, for Brandon Cooks to see easier matchups this coming season here. So, I mean, round five at least, you should be a pretty solid wide receiver too for your team if you want to go to RBs, a wide receiver, a quarterback, or tight end, depending on how you like to build. So, uh, it's not too shabby. So, all right, let's go over to tier five now, guys. This is the wide receiver two upside guys. But they might have some question marks surrounding them uh, overall based on their who they are. So, this tier involves Hollywood Brown, Michael Thomas, Jerry Judy, Amron St. Brown, Allen Robinson, and Gabriel Davis. So, same question, guys. Does anyone belong, not belong in this tier? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster should okay. be in this tier. Oh, yeah. Um, That's actually a good one. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen coming out of Chiefs camp has him dominating and the number one option in this offense. 
So I know um, Chiefs offense, Packers offense, they're both a little bit of like, you know, cafeteria mystery meat. You're not sure what you're going to get right now with the wide receivers. Um, but if I if I trust the, the videos I've seen from training camp, Juju has been putting together um, some very nice tape. And if you give me, um, you know, the top wide receiver on a Patrick Mahomes offense in, you know, this sort of tier this late, I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah, I, I think uh, Rashad Bateman is a name that I think is an interesting one that could be in this tier, um, has some upside to him if they, you know, we saw Marquise Brown, now different player, but we saw Hollywood Brown start the season on fire last year. Um, and I think that is really the offense is just going to run through Mark Andrews and uh, Rashad Bateman. So he's someone that I'm, I'd am i be interested in in this tier. But the, other than that, I like everyone else. Um, I'm excited to talk Michael Thomas. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious to get people's pulse. I'm completely fine with this tier, actually, Steve. Awesome. Thank you. Short and sweet, I like it here. Uh, Kyle said, Dan, love it. Robinson and Juju should be pretty close in rankings. So, thank you, Kyle. Uh, again, you, you guys weren't on last week, but Jibs was. But a lot of these are... I basically went off ADP and kind of grouped them in my own liking here. So mm-hmm. this is kind of, they're kind of in order of which their ADPs are currently going to some extent. So just so you guys know overall, but uh, let's get into the first question. Of course, uh, John gave it away already. How, what's your expectation for Michael Thomas this season? Because he's someone that, I mean, his talent could put him into round three or four, but his unknown of his situation right now puts him maybe in round nine or 10, maybe potentially. What do you guys feel on Michael Thomas right now? I feel like Michael Thomas is one of those players in fantasy this year that you have to be, you're either in or you're out where like either you trust that he's healthy. You believe that he's going to go back to being a, a vacuum for targets and everything's going to be kosher or you're out because you're afraid of injury, re-risk of injury, or, you know, they're going to move to Chris Olave or all these, all these other things. It's it, I don't see a world where Michael Thomas is just like, middle of the pack has a decent year like it's either going to be a good really good year for michael thomas or oh boy we're gonna it's like alan robinson last year i think it's going to be that's the problem with him is is there's no i don't see a world where it's like oh yeah he ho-hums his way to like 900 yards and five touchdowns you know i just don't see that i think it's either going to be a big year for michael thomas and we're all wrong or it's going to be a dicey injury plagued season where he sucks um, yeah, um, we haven't seen Michael Thomas really on the field for, God, it's been almost two years now. And everything that we've seen in camp so far has looked very positive. Uh, I know camp and game speed are two completely different things, but um, Michael Thomas's game when he was super fantasy relevant was all on volume, you know, short air. It was called slant God for a reason. You know? <laughs> he's, he's the king of the short yardage. Um, so that's something that, you know, you don't need the best offensive line in the world to produce a good short yard passing game. Um, so he, if he is going to hit his quote unquote ceiling, like he has previously, his game is all about the short yardage, which is something that this offense is capable of, um, implementing. Now we do have to recognize that Sean Payton is gone. Um, you know, and they have their former defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, as the head coach. So that offense might look slightly different than we have seen in the past, but all the pieces are in place for him to return to 
that form that we last saw him when he was what the wide receiver one overall in 2019. And if you can get him at a value, I think the whole thing will come down to value for Michael Thomas. If he is going to, let's say he plays in a preseason game and he scores a touchdown and everyone's like, Oh my God, Michael Thomas is back. You got to get him," And he bumps up into like, you know, third, fourth round. I'm out. If he's going fifth, sixth, seventh, like he is kind of now, then, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be dependent a lot on how his value plays out through the preseason process. And even with the influx of his value going up and down, like I think if everything's all fine and dandy and we're drafting in late August, early September, I will be completely fine taking him in like the area of like wide receiver 20 to 24. Like I'm not expecting Michael Thomas to be like the explosive guy, a high end wide receiver one that we saw every year with the offensive talent now infused in New Orleans. So, um, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I'm a Michael Thomas junkie. I got him the last two years. I can't quit. So if he's sitting there on the draft board within that round four, round five range, I am snagging him 100%. So. <laughs> no, I'm completely off Michael Thomas. I plan on drafting zero shares of Michael Thomas oh, this off. This off all, in the yeah, I'm kind of with you, Steve. I'm the same way. Maybe if he falls around eight, probably not still, because I probably would rather – the way I draft, I probably won't be wanting to take Michael Thomas at that point anyway. It's just, you know, Jameis Winston's already a little bit banged up, as we've seen recently. I know you have Andy Dawn as the backup at that point there. I, I just can't trust that Michael Thomas is going to be Michael Thomas after not really playing like, football for about a year and a half. And what we did see out of him was with Taysom Hill. Uh, it just it just doesn't sit well with me. And I, I'd rather avoid it and let someone else deal with the, the headaches. And again, maybe there's upside in his game. Obviously, he's a really talented wide receiver, but... I just I just can't go down that route for me personally this year. So just a personal thing. But again, round eight, round nine, if he falls there, it's a great value. You got to at least attempt to think about taking him at that point. His ADP is 68 or 69. So it's about right round now, so. six or seven or six, yeah. round six, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Deshaun Watson proposed an eight-game ban and $5 million fine. No, of course not. Oh, my God. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. I'm not going to talk did. about it. I just want to throw it out there. So. Wow. All right. What a great sure fantasy I'm, trade. I'm sure he proposed a zero-game ban as well. Uh, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> did he send a exploding offer, Steve? Oh, you can have the mystery <laughs> box. <laughs> All right. So this is the next one, and this second like question this tier here. Who do you prefer in a breakout, Jerry Judy or Gabriel Davis? Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Holy shit. It's the same. I, uh, I'm a Cortland Sutton stan. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to, I just got, I got to go with Davis at that point. I think, uh, I, I mean, I, can both Judy and Sutton produce this year? Uh, like we were talking about earlier, the AFC West, it's going to be, you know, over central for the betting markets over there. So, I mean, we like Keenan Allen. We like uh, Mike Williams on the same offense because the shootouts. We can also like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton on the same offense because the shootouts. Um, I think both players are in for very good years. If I'm selecting one, because the other thing is you got to define breakout. You know, Gabriel Davis, his after that playoff game, he's in everybody's head. You know, Mm -hmm. he may not have had a full season's worth of breakout production. But if you ask, like, the average fantasy player, like, has Gabe Davis broken out? They're like, yeah, he scored four touchdowns in the playoffs. Of course he broke out. Um, so, I mean, that's, I guess it kind of depends on your definition of uh, breakout. Uh, I think Gabe Davis will finish with a higher season total this year. 
Um, I think Jerry Judy might finish with more of your typical quote unquote breakout year. Hmm. Yeah, this one's tough because I love Cortland Sutton. Um, I I wouldn't bet this way, and I don't believe this is going to happen. But you could talk yourself into a into a conversation into a world where Jerry Judy leads Denver in targets. Um, there's no way that Gabriel Davis is going to lead. It's it's Stephon Diggs, 100. percent So, um, you know, if you really buy into the belief of Jerry Judy and all that, then maybe you can convince yourself that he might out target Cortland Sutton. So, I would take Jerry Judy out of those two, but they're both going to be they're both wide receiver twos on great offenses so i you know you know neither one's going to be a slouch i'm completely torn on this one as well um <laughs> i wish i could get both of them but um if you look at like both their situations it's eerily similar as well like i looked at their red zone snap percentage i looked at their team total targets or vacated targets like i know denver's lost tim patrick and Noah Fant. Meanwhile, you see Buffalo Bills. They don't have Sanders and Beasley anymore, and they're pretty similar comparison. But it looked like Gabe Davis got a little bit more run in the red zone, so I'll go with him on this one. Um, Judy only had a five percent red zone target share last year, which is disgusting. I um, know the quarterbacks are different, and he probably have more luck this year. So um, go Sutton, Sutton, go Sutton, baby. That's all I can <laughs> team, say. team Sutton. Yeah, Team side. Four-way run here with Gabriel Davis for sure. Right? At the end of the day, there's obviously more of a target upside for Judy potentially there. But Gabriel Davis, I mean, he just showed last year that he is just a touchdown machine. I know he's not going to score four touchdowns every single week. Let's get real here now, guys. But the chance for double-digit touchdowns for a guy like Gabriel Davis is, is, is pretty much in there for me personally. A team that's going to be in the red zone very often. I expect Gabriel, da- uh, Gabriel Davis. I expect uh, Josh Allen to throw the ball in deep ball situations, in red zone situations, to Gabriel Davis because he is the tallest guy on the team there. He's he's explosive. He's got the strength. He's going to be someone that's going to take it to the next level this coming season. While Jerry Judy, we're still waiting for him to show us. I mean, he has that talent to separate, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to him staying healthy on the field. He just really hasn't. And I just don't believe that Jerry Judy is going to be able to succeed fully if he stays in the slot, which I'm concerned that he might this coming season. So we'll see personally so i'm with you guys on davis so all right let's go to the final tier of the night tier six borderline wide receiver twos wide receiver three range kind of guys here and this range has adam thielen hunter renfro Darnell mooney elijah moore juju smith schuster's in this tier probably maybe you shouldn't be uh deandre hopkins devonta smith and rashad bateman another guy who maybe not shouldn't be here so guys uh, outside of the two guys like juju and bateman is there anyone else that should and shouldn't be in this tier um <laughs> should be higher or lower? I think he should be higher. Yeah, I agree. Mooney should be higher. But I, I already made my case for Mooney. Um, yeah. So somebody who we haven't listed yet and it definitely needs to be in one of these tiers is Drake London. Um, I was working on a piece for Dynasty Nerds, uh, a fantasy season preview for the Atlanta Falcons that will be released on um, Sunday morning. Nice. And Drake London is, is in for some – some nice production this year down in Atlanta. Um, the roster is not great. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. And outside of him and Kyle Pitts, there's not a whole lot to, to talk about um, on that roster. Um, he can easily see north of 130, 140 targets as a rookie. 
and you know his his body frame compares best to a Julio Jones type and I, I'm just very excited to see what he can do when he's on the field um, he's going he's he's like he's not going as talked about I think as he should be and um, he's going to be the wide receiver one on that team and he can finish you know as a wide receiver two this season easily yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a good name to bring up because there's always a wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver that makes noise, and it's like, who's it going to be this year? It's a good bet that Drake London is going to be that guy just because of the target competition. There's just not else, uh, no, nothing else there. Um, so yeah, I like that name. I have no, I have no beef with it. But the the list itself, these are all good guys. Wide receiver twos and threes. I mean, I like the only one that I kind of have some beef with is DeAndre Hopkins, just because it's. You don't get him until week seven, and so that kind of sucks. Um, so he's a little lower on my draft board than some of these other guys, but uh, everyone else is cool. Um, just because he plays with Aaron Rodgers, can we make a case for Alan Lazard? Yeah, you certainly could. 100%. Could. So that's – You got no no argument back here. <laughs> He'll probably be on the lower side of the list, but like I think you should definitely have him in consideration for some late uh, wide receiver action. Mm-hmm. Well, to give you guys a sneak peek of next week, he is on tier. They're both on tier seven. All the okay. guys you guys mentioned that weren't here, so we'll be talking about them next week. So uh, next Thursday, actually. So, all right. So let's go over the first question real quick in this tier, and it's and let's start with DeAndre Hopkins since John brought DeAndre Hopkins up just a minute ago. He is just serving a six-game suspension now, uh, but we know when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, he is an elite talent for fantasy football. Here, when's the earliest do you take a guy who's suspended for the first month and a half of the season? Um, so I, I discussed this a little bit earlier, but, um, it's kind of like a roster construction thing for me where, you know, if I'm grabbing, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I will also want to grab like a Russell Gage type, assuming Gage is healthy. Uh, cause like I was talking about with Jameson is you can compare that pre, you know, that early season production into that switch over to that late season production. Um, I know this is like a very niche case of taking advantage of ADPs, but if it's something that you can kind of keep in the back of your mind going into drafts, you can really optimize your week-to-week fantasy point production on your team. Mm-hmm. I I think this is tough. It's I think it's very much sort of how the board is falling and how the draft is sort of go- playing out. But I wouldn't even look DeAndre Hopkins' way until he's my first bench spot. Like I, you know, I'm not even in that like mindset of like I want to mess with DeAndre Hopkins and. If I, if I have like two, if I'm on my third bench player, second, third bench player, then I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe, because then I can afford to sit on this guy for a while. But I, I think where he's going, which is, you know, in the, he's, I'm looking, I'm looking at the board now. He's, he's like up there with the Amon Ross St. Browns, the Juju Smith Schusters, the Brandon Ayukes of the world. Like that's still, there's still talent to be had there that can help you all 17. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, we all know is gone the first six so that's what's that's where it starts to get iffy uh for me probably comfortable around nine mm-hmm. if i needed someone and if i wanted them i'll probably get them around eight but i wouldn't go anything before that because that's kind of blasphemous you're just basically losing that out on six weeks of production while your opponents are getting people who go put up but decent chunk of fantasy points like they're getting a player that could get you we'll say 12 and a half ppr points a week and then i'm looking at the lower half of the tier to get my um i want to be like 
bad, but let me get my Jarvis Landry, the filling for Hopkins, mm-hmm. who's basically not even getting eight points per game. So you're just losing that on there, you're setting yourself back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think y'all make some great points, to be honest there. I think as long as you have a starting roster at that point, then you could consider taking DeAndre Hopkins. If you, cause you just can't take a player that's not playing and let him be one of your drafts, flex positions, a wide receiver position, whatever, how you structure a roster there. It just doesn't make sense to have a player like that. First bench player, I think, is the minimum, the earliest uh, that you should consider taking him. And at that point, just if he falls, he falls. And if you can get the benefit at that point, you just got to hold on for that six-week span and hopefully he comes back and is, is ready to rock and roll. So, Yeah. So, and the argument I hear is when he's healthy or when he's back, he'll be a top 24 guy. And the answer is, yeah, but you could be one in five at that point. And, and that's a total, then what good is he? It's totally different, you know? So if you're in dynasty and, and stuff like that, it's a different, if you're in like a dynasty startup, it's different, I guess, maybe, but take him even later. Cause he's older, but um, redraft. It's like, uh, there's so much that can go wrong in the first six weeks. It's not like he's a two game suspension or a, what six weeks is a lot. You, it's a big chunk of your season already gone. You also got to remember I too. After like right after. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you don't. And yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't lose out on the bye. I think he plays two games and then goes on the bye. And then so it's yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't really seven games. Uh, our friend Kyle said that tier five and six almost seem like one giant tier. They probably should be just one giant <laughs> tier. Uh, but it was too much to fit on one PowerPoint. So I had to put them up. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle. <laughs> All right. So real quick, before we end the show here, real quick question. Is Adam Thielen being overlooked in, in redrafts right now? No. no I, think he, I think he's going right where he needs to. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be a real emergence of K.J. Osborne at some point in the season. Um, so I'm – Adam Thielen's another one who's just like a ticking time bomb to me where it's like he could be good, but all of a sudden one day he could just expire, and that sucks. Um, but – yeah, I think he's going appropriate. I think he's. I think we've valued him pretty appropriately as a fantasy community. Yeah, I would agree to that. Like he was going like pick forty, fifties last year, and like I wasn't on board with that. But if you could get him he's around pick eighty ish, around like seven, I think I could deal with like him missing a couple games or a few games with that mm-hmm. kind of ADP, but not like the higher on the higher scale things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you also got to remember that that you know 2020 his wide receiver one year he put up 14 touchdowns. Yeah, you know to put that into perspective, Cooper Cup put up 16 last year. Um, yeah. You know, just it's that's a, just an unsustainable number of touchdowns to expect out of him. All right, I love the quickness there, guys. Of course, but uh, that is going to wrap up our show tonight, guys. That was our wide receiver tiers part one. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk wide receiver tiers part two. Those tiers are probably just one giant uh, clusterfuck probably as well, but uh, we'll break them down into some more detail. Uh, Dan, man, it was a pleasure having you on, bro. Finally, I'm glad we got to do this with you, bro. A local New Jersey guy. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, before we let you go, uh, let everyone know kind of where they can follow you. If you got anything that you want to shout out or talk about real quick, lower yours, my friend. Yeah, um, Twitter handle is attached to my uh, name down there, at DanT underscore NFL. Um, I work with Steve over at Dynasty Nerds. We're in the middle of our 32 teams in 32 days series uh, where we're doing an in-depth roster breakdown of every franchise across the NFL, giving you Dynasty buys, Dynasty sells, where to value players. It's it's a very fun series to do, um, and it's a very fun series to read. 
Um, I also cover everything Cleveland Browns related over at Stadium Rant. Um, so you could follow all my work over there at brownsbrawl.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Dan. Absolutely. So, uh, Coach John, anything you want to say, brother, before we get, we get out? Nope. Shout out to the Podathon we got next week. That's going to be a ton of fun. Everybody tune in. Um, that'll be great. Support the pups. Um, and shout out to everyone in the FTLS. Boys, you're dead to me now. The season has started. We did our draft. So it is now cutthroat season. I'm, I'm not answering your calls on the first ring. I'm not answering your texts right away. We're enemies. Love it. And Coach Jez, brother? Stay hydrated. <laughs> We're going to need it this weekend for sure. So, all right, guys. So, before I let everyone go here, uh, obviously, Dan, uh, John mentioned already uh, the Pothon, Tuesday, August 16th, 3 to 11 or 2.30 to 11. Uh, we're hoping to raise money for the main society, for all the pups and all the other animals that are out there. Uh, we're going to have a ton of guests on. I think we have almost over 30 guests joining the show here. Uh, we're just going to be talking fantasy here and there. Dan's going to be on for sure. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of different guests jump on. And we're just going to talk fantasy for a good eight hours. I'm going to be tired as hell at the end. Jibs might be there. I'm definitely going to be there. Uh, so, uh, again, you can follow our website at <laughs> fantasycoaches.com. we got our articles, website, the Dynasty Coaches are up there as well. Uh, we have my insider playbook that's in there, too, to check out. It's pretty cool. And for all the updates and everything like that, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. Until then, guys, we'll be back with a regular scheduled program on Thursday to talk about this part two of these wide receiver tiers. Uh, until then, guys, thank you for listening and have a great one. The bag is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock cans. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up, Jack. Jack, I'ma head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.